Hey everyone, it's Lindsay Rhodes, and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show. Fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Blue Wire. The Detroit Pistons select Sekou. The boy gets run off the line. Down the lane. My goodness. Look at that. Pistons come right back at him with a bruise. Oh, oh, oh. Jam. Dishes to Luke for the long gun. It goes. Hello, everyone. Uh, this is Pistons versus Everybody, the Detroit Pistons podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am your host. Lazarus Jackson, and joining me tonight is Pistons Twitter godfather, site expert for Hoops Habit, friend of the show, Duncan Smith. How are you doing, Duncan? I'm not doing too bad, Laz. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, I mean, I'm less uh, emotionally drained than I normally am after a loss. I don't know how. I don't know how that feels. Well, um, I think acceptance is is an important part of uh, rebuilding process. Uh, I think that preserves your uh, mental energy and your general sanity a lot longer than riding and dying for a team that's going to lose a lot of games. No, you're you're absolutely right. My uh, my stepfather calls me during games to complain about the team, and uh, he called today uh, near the end of the fourth quarter, just completely frustrated. And it's like, I, I told him, like, we're not built to lose 60 games. And it's like, you lose 60 games, man. I don't know what to tell you. He's going to need another winter hobby or something. This is going to be rough on him. <laughs> so the Pistons, uh, they lost their first regular season game 111 to 101. Hey, they cracked 100 points. We Finally. didn't. Yeah, we didn't know if that was going to happen. It only took one game. Uh, the offense kind of came apart in the fourth quarter, though. Uh are you surprised they didn't more they didn't run more stuff through Blake Griffin down the stretch? Kind of, especially considering how much he was on the floor, and I, I think that other things that they they tried other than you know just getting uh, a lot of fast breaks, you know, I think the half court offense was was not especially effective. So it does kind of surprise me that they didn't run a whole lot through Blake, but you know maybe they're trying to preserve him a bit. Um, they don't want to burn him out, um, you know, the first game of the season. Uh, yeah, it surprised me a bit, though. Yeah, playing 35 minutes does not seem conducive to to uh, not burning him out. But at the same time, I guess if he's playing at half speed, it doesn't matter how many minutes he plays. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that's a pretty good assessment. You know, he played 35 minutes, but he only took 13 shots. Uh, I mean, he also only had like he had uh, two assists, I believe. So it's not as though he was being overused on offense. That's for sure. I know you were you like everybody else were concerned about the offense uh, coming into the season with good reason. I might add. What do you think is uh, what do you think is something that's going to happen more often for this team? Are they going to go eight for thirty five from three more often? Or are they only going to shoot uh, eight free throws on the night more often? Yeah, I I, th- I feel like neither of those are likely to happen a whole lot. Um, you know. I- a big reason that they shot so poorly from three is Svi went one for eight. And that's not going to happen all that often, I don't think. Um, and then among your starters, 
uh, Blake and Jeremy Grant went one for 10. So, I mean, that's two for 18 from your three highest volume three-point shooters, uh, most likely this season. So that's probably not going to be replicated again too often. Um, and only only getting eight free throws is pretty low because this is a fairly physical team. Um, so I, I would say that's a pretty surprising number. Yeah, I was I was obviously surprised to see uh, Sviga one for eight, especially since like considering the quality of a lot of his looks, he had some pretty good looks, especially in the first half. But um, I'm I'm more shocked that they were able to uh, get off 35 like relatively clean three point attempts. And and I think you're right that if if that continues, we'll like we'll see better nights from the offense and the team will score more points, but you know, there isn't a lot of shooting on this team. And so you, you, I kind of just kind of wonder like what, (laughs) how often they're going to be able to, to generate those good looks. Yeah. It's funny because there's, I would say there's a decent number of pretty good creators on this team. Um, I like miles, pardon me, Mason Plumley in particular has uh, surprised (laughs) me. Um, <laughs> I have no idea how many times I've done that in podcasts and stuff like that. If you've caught me in the past, apologies. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously Blake is a, is a known commodity as far as his passing goes. Uh, Plumlee has been for me, uh, a nice surprise. Um, and so you've, you've got your creators, you've got your guys who can pass the ball. You, you just don't have a whole lot of guys that can, that can finish it. Um, especially, from three-point range, uh, as we saw tonight. Yeah, 29 assists on 45 shots, or in 45 made baskets, I should say. It's like, that's not, not a terrible ratio, all things considered, um, especially when you, you know, think about the how that number would be higher if, you know, they had, again, they had made more shots. Um, you, br- you brought up Plumlee. I mean, like, I, I, knew, <laughs> I knew he could pass a little bit. Because I, you know, I talked with TJ McBride uh, a couple weeks ago about uh, about the acquisition, and he said that was like one thing to really look out for. And you can obviously like look at his basketball reference page and like see his assist rate, and be like, oh, like that's that's pretty high for a big man. But you know, I didn't realize it was going to be you know quite that level of playmaking uh, out of uh, a center that was widely derided uh, at the time of his signing. Yeah, you know, I'm not willing to, I'm not ready to retract anything just yet, but... Um, <laughs> totally fair, totally fair. Yeah, that's partially stubbornness. You know, I I didn't retract anything on KCP until he won a championship, so I'm, I'm <laughs> stubborn as hell. <laughs> um, so, you know, I'm, I'm going to stick with my guns for a little while, but I will say that I have been pleasantly surprised by basically everything I've seen out of Mason Plumley, other than like a couple of first game fumble passes in the preseason. Um, other than that, like I, I have really nothing but fairly good things to say about Plumley. He, he has been uh, a pretty reasonable surprise. No, agreed. I mean, and I, I want to say too, I listened to that podcast with TJ and I assumed there was like some home cooking in there. And I, I kind of discounted a lot of that as I, obviously my respect for TJ is like through the roof, but I was like, eh, we'll see. I don't know. And I may be willing to stand corrected sometime in the next no, couple months. That's totally fair because I think about, you know, all the times I've spoken about uh, Luke Kennard on other podcasts and, you know, we're going to get to Luke actually, but uh, yeah, you, there's always a tendency by uh, people who watch the team to overrate their own guys or to just, you know, see what their own guys do in, uh, 
in a better light than uh, you know the other 29 teams in the league. But uh, like this is a consistent trend with Plumlee, right? Like he's he's been a good passer for the bulk of his NBA career, and so this looks real. You know how often guys will actually like finish his shots or finish shots that uh, he creates for them. Like we'll see. Um, and I don't know how much, and uh, I don't know how much like uh, you know, uh, like five flat like uh, backdoor cut type of stuff they're gonna run. Uh, there's I don't know if we're gonna get point Plumlee much like we got point Dre a couple years back, but. Uh, it's is a good tool in the toolkit. Absolutely. What do you think of uh, what do you think of Killian Hayes in his debut? You know, seven points, three assists, four turnovers. Seemed like uh, people were mad he didn't play down the stretch, but he kind of turned the ball over on three consecutive possessions, and it's understandable why he wouldn't play down the stretch after that. But uh, after he uh, or before he imploded in the fourth quarter, what do you what do you think of Killian Hayes? Yeah, I, I thought that up until that point it was. Um... He had a sort of a quiet debut up until like everything just came crashing down around him late. Um, you know, he uh, looking at his stat sheet here, he had six shot attempts, three assists, four turnovers. You know, kind of like typical uh, output, I'd say, for a rookie point guard who is going to be fairly high, low usage, I think, for a while anyway um, in his debut. Uh, it was, I'd say, it was a quiet game for him until like the wheels fell off. That's probably the way, the best way I'd characterize it for him. Yeah. What way? What makes you think he'll be uh, low usage to start? Just like he's not going to uh, initiate a lot of plays, or uh, that they have so many pl- other play finishers on the floor in the starting lineup that uh, he's what he contributes is not going to show up, you know, statistically. I, I think probably more the latter. Um, I think that especially as the season goes on, assuming Blake is healthy, I think a lot's going to run through him. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that. Uh, Jeremy Grant is going to probably have a nice little boost in usage um, per the uh, the promises accorded to him in his uh, recently signed contract. Um, so yeah, and just uh, Killian's lack of uh, experience, obviously, I think, is going to make him less than like the uh, the constant primary initiator of everything. So I, I think he's. Uh, it it just seems to me as though he's probably going to get eased into things. Like as the season goes on, uh, that that usage will certainly go up. But I, I wouldn't be too, too surprised if we see a fairly low number for him uh, the first say month, maybe two months of the season. Yeah, I didn't realize he only played twenty one minutes. You know, I'm I'm looking at the box score now f- uh, for the first time since I like actually looked at the box score, and that does seem really low. That's obviously very low for a starting level for a guy who starts. Um, but uh, I I wonder if there's just longer stretches than I imagined in the third quarter when he didn't play. Because, you know, Rose's minutes, Rose didn't play 30 minutes, right? He only played 27 minutes. And that's about where they were. That's about like the, the cap they were putting on Derrick Rose la- at the beginning of last season. And so, like, I fully expected them to come out with that kind of soft you know, 27, 28, 29 minute cap on Rose. And we saw that again tonight. Um, and it's not like DeLon Wright, the other point cut on the roster also played a bunch. He only played 19 minutes. And so um, the the balance there, I think, is uh, is pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't, uh, sorry, I wonder if the plan is to more or less stagger uh, Killian and Derek, because like obviously their numbers, I, I don't remember for sure if they never shared the floor. Um, but like obviously their their numbers match up to like 
an exact 48 minutes. So um, I wonder if that's kind of the plan, at least in these early days, like get Derek his 26, 27 minutes, uh, fulfill that, uh, that minutes limit, and then Killian gets the rest. Uh, yeah. If I remember, they played together in the final preseason game yeah. for like an extended stretch. And like that didn't look amazing because both of those guys need the ball in their hands. Yeah, it's just not going to work. Like I understand that, that Casey wants to try it and he loves his like two point guards and three guard lineups and everything. But I just don't know if it's these guys. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, you know, other other guy we should probably talk about Josh Jackson uh, played thirty, almost played twenty nine minutes. It was eight for fourteen, uh, six rebounds, two assists. Um, just kind of everywhere, making plays uh, on both ends of the floor. Uh, continues the the revelation that he uh, started in preseason. Um, at what point do at, at what point are we gonna like more heavily emphasize what what Josh Jackson is bringing to this team? I mean, he played down the stretch. So, uh, yeah, I think it's definitely time that we uh, we recognize him as uh, a pretty major contributor for this team. You know, he led the team in, in scoring. He was close to the top in minutes. Uh, he led him in field goal attempts, uh, had a bunch of rebounds relative to you know, his position. And um, he, he did he did some of everything, as you mentioned, like he was all over the place. Um, so. I I really think that uh, on a game by game basis, it's going to be uh, it's going to be hard to see him not have an increasing role um, on this team because he's just been playing too well to keep him off the off the floor. Yeah, I, I if you had told me Josh Jackson led this team in shots, I would have told you they lost by much more than ten points. <laughs> but yeah. Everything kind of came in the flow, right? And I'm, you know, a bunch of these shots. He made, you know, we've seen, he went three for seven from three. Um, he only took one, like, horrendous three to my recollection. Um, and it seemed like he did the rest of his damage in transition. This Pistons team got up and down uh, in transition a lot more than any Pistons team I can ever remember. Um, how, <laughs> how excited are you to see that element of the team uh, finally be in play? I think it's great. Uh, it, it's a lot more fun to watch a team that can run than uh, that can't. Uh, you know, we've we've seen plenty of that in the past with uh, Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond teams. Um, you know, every every time Reggie would walk the ball up, I'd be watching that uh, twenty four second clock to make sure that he got it across before the sixteen second mark. You know, like um, just like the slow pace and stagnant um, the stagnant pace as well as just a whole lot less fun to watch than a team that's going to be opportunistic and push the ball down the floor. And I think we saw tonight that if they're going to score points, which, you know, they barely did again, um, they're going to need a lot of fast break points. They scored 23 points. That's, uh, that's a pretty significant number of points when you only scored 101 on the game. Um, so yeah, I, I'm really excited that they're going to be a running team, uh, at least, at least as so far as like their opponents will allow it. Cause the Timberwolves are not an especially good team, you know. Um, Very true. They, they pulled out the win at home, but um, it it took them probably more uh, more effort than most teams are going to have to exert on this Pistons team to get wins. Uh, so, you know, I don't, I don't know if they're going to be able to run as much as they were able to tonight against a lot of teams, but the fact that they are looking to be opportunistic is is really encouraging. 
yeah. not so much from a competitive standpoint, but like it's going to make it more easy to watch. It's going to it's going to pump up some numbers, and that's a good thing, I think. Yeah, I mean the the entertainment product that they put on the floor is going to be better as even as the losses continue to come. They had even you said they had twenty three points in transition. According to my uh, my ESPN uh, Chrome extension here, okay. which has uh, some some extra uh, real time stats, which usually end up being accurate post game, as far as I know. So right. yeah, that's what I have here: twenty three points, twenty three fast break points. All right, so twenty three fast break break points, uh, twenty four points from behind the arc, only three points from the free throw line. Um, yeah, that's. That's a like that's a pretty big proportion of points to come from transition and and threes out of out of like the total. That's pretty interesting. I have to I have to keep that's something I'll probably like keep track of as the season goes to see like what their transition numbers uh, end up being because again like it's just something we haven't really seen um, from this team um, before. You know, speaking of guys who got out in transition, um, Seku Dumbuya. Seku Dumbuya had what did he end up with? He ended up with nine boards, which is crazy to me. Um, he's just been so active on the glass. Um, he's one of the guys who gave an A for uh, their preseason. Um, what What are your expectations for him, like on for the season as a whole? Does it look uh, a lot like what tonight looked like? Yeah, I would say so. I would say like the, his his minutes total was low, but I think maybe some of that came from uh, like ripple effect from Jackson getting so many minutes. Uh, he got he only got fourteen minutes, um, which it's it just seemed like he was out on the floor more, you know, like it seemed as though his impact was, was greater than uh, just a, a 14 minute stretch or multiple stints equaling 14 minutes, you know? Um, so he does kind of remain like the biggest question mark as to like how, how much we can expect to see him because like there is such a, a positional log jam everywhere that he could be expected to, to get minutes. Um, but like every time we've seen him on the floor since the beginning of the preseason, he's just, he's really stood out. You know, he's, um, I, I'd say it's, it's pretty clear that he's gotten a lot stronger since we last saw him. Um, he, I think his, uh, his level of awareness is much higher. He's in the right place, just so much more, um, than we last saw him. Uh, we, we aren't seeing him just kind of like disappear into like the corner and into, <laughs> into the mist for like entire stints on the floor, you know, like there's right. no, there's no four on five on, on either end when he's on the floor anymore. And there was, that was, that was a big thing for him last year other than like that, the, the three or four really good games that we got out of him. Um, so yeah, it, it, seeing just how the minutes are going to come his way is going to be interesting, but like every time he's out on the floor now, it, the, the question now is like, what is he going to do rather than like, is he, is he going to, is he going to like screw this up? What kind of mistakes are we going to expect? And now, like obviously, he's he's very young. He's younger than most rookies. Still, there's going to be mistakes. But uh, well, I guess he just turned twenty, so he's not younger than most rookies. He's younger than some rookies still. Um, we're, we're still going to see mistakes, but they're becoming less, and uh, they're they're getting outweighed by the the valuable things he's able to do on the floor now. I think. Yeah, and you see him more easily make up for mistakes i'm i'm remembering like he he had a really bad he went for a really bad pump fake on a hernan gomez uh shot and then hernan gomez like blew blew the layup seku like immediately grabbed the rebound and got out and like went in transition and good things happened from that and i think you'll you'll see that continue as he um gets more minutes but 
you know, I would buy that he only played 14 minutes because him and Blake only shared the court uh, for a tiny amount of time at the end of the second quarter. And Blake played the entire third quarter, which I was very surprised by. Um, and oh, so I think, yeah, that that's like from a, from a effectiveness standpoint, like you can probably point to that and say like, that might be why Blake was less effective in the second half. But yeah, like with as well as Seku was playing in the first half, I was uh, a little surprised that he get, didn't get more time in the third quarter. And that is where I expect like more of his minutes to come in the future. Like in in that shift, like with the uh, with a full bench lineup. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm I'm curious as to to why Blake was stretched out so much in the third. I didn't realize that that was where the bulk of uh, the bulk of these 35 minutes came from. Um, you know, it seems as though like getting him off the floor for four minutes in the third and Seku for on for four minutes in the third would not be an impossibility, especially because like the third quarter was, um, I mean, they won it by four points. It's not as though it was like some sort of, uh, great stretch for them. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, it's, it's confusing as to just why that is. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You may not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at bet online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on every possible chance to win this season. Because Lord knows, if you're a Lions fan, there are not going to be that many opportunities for you to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. You go to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, say that three times fast, so that you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resume resumes on Indeed match your job criteria so you can contact them the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move just as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try out Indeed with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. That's their best offer available anywhere. You go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. 
you uh you predicted that the Pistons would finish fifteenth uh, in the East. That's last. That's bad. Uh, what what are your what are your major concerns with this team? Um. Well, uh, I think that uh, they've they've got a lot of youth that they are reliant upon. You know, like uh, Killian's kind of blow up in the second half. Uh, I think is probably something we'll see now and then, simply because he's so young and um, you know the NBA is a whole different game from what he's accustomed to. Um, I I think that some of the, uh, the depth elements on this team are also uh, questionable. You know, um, Julio Okafor had uh, you know, looking at his his stats, it it doesn't look that bad. You know, um, he had eight points, yeah. four seven shooting, seven boards. Um, two turnovers, 15 minutes, but like at the same time, it just seemed like every time he was involved in a play, it was, it was a disaster on either end. I think that that is probably somewhat unfair. Uh, it's, it's more uh, impression of probably a few really rough stretches that kind of overwhelmed the whole, the whole picture, um, you know, shy of like watching it through a second time. Um, so I, I have some concerns about the depth there. And, you know, Blake Griffin is still the best player on this team. And how many teams is that really true of in 2020? You know, if, if you don't have the best player um, or one of the two best players on the floor, um, you're not going to win too many games in the NBA. And um, I, I, I simply think that, like, the top end for this team is uh, not what you need in order to be uh, competitive. And the the depth on this team is also not really what you need in order to be competitive. <laughs> <laughs> now, I mean, th- those are all justified. Um, you know, speaking to Julio, Julio Okafor specifically as a uh, as an element of that, you know, subpar depth. Uh, I thought it was just like endlessly fascinating that they were having Julio Okafor like show at twenty eight feet. Um, and I was more fascinated that it was working for some reason. And then I remembered that. And then I like noticed that it's because like they're forcing like Naz Reed of all people to like make decisions in the middle of the floor for the Timberwolves. It's like, okay, like that is like one of those, like that's a, that's a process you do want to engineer, but like, do you want to do that by like blitzing Jaleel Okafor? Like, I, I don't think so, but it worked. So it's like one of those bad process, good results things. It's like, I hope that doesn't continue, but I also like, don't really know like how to maximize what Jaleel Okafor like has to offer defensively. So it's like, it's weird. And right. there are a lot of, there are a lot of elements like that on this team. Yeah. I feel like maybe Casey is just trying a whole lot of things, you know, like their, their preseason was abbreviated. Their training camp was abbreviated. Uh, I don't think that, Casey is under any illusions that he's he's coaching for a playoff run or anything like that. So yeah. he he can you know treat the beginning stages of the regular season as uh, as an extended preseason tryout, not just tryout for like players and roster spots because that's already decided, but like trying out different different tactics, different things, and like figuring out like how how the heck can you use Julio before on the floor on defense? You know, like maybe maybe that is his optimal, his optimal move in some matchups. Um, so I'd, I'd say we're probably in that, uh, that extended feeling out stage that we're going to see all over the NBA in this ridiculous, 
uh, quick and also long turnaround that uh, that we've got on our hands. Yeah, were were you were you surprised that um, and not not I guess surprise is the wrong word. Uh, how much how much do you think of an an impact it's going to have the the compressed timeline uh, around training camp? around uh the start the end of last season for certain teams and, and the beginning of the season for other teams it's so hard to say i think i've i've heard theories both ways you know i've heard that i've heard theories that like teams that went on deep runs um are going to be even better off than teams that have been off for so long you know like they did have basically like a full off season and then some uh between the beginning of the hiatus well Roughly an off season uh, between the beginning mm-hmm. of the hiatus and uh, the return of the bubble, so you know then then they got some extra some additional time off, and maybe some of that additional um, they don't have as much rust to shake off. You know they'll be able to get back into a rhythm and into a groove, and it'll be a little easier because they won't have to deal with like all the rigors of the bubble. Um, they can live whatever semblance of a normal life you can live in a pandemic, at least they can do it at home, you know, or, you know, or at a, at a club supporting or, your uh, best friend's business or at a club, you know, she's a boss now. So I think <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think there's, there's an argument to be made about that. And um, then you've got the teams that had the longest layoff. They're also the worst teams. Um, so it's going to be really hard because they're, isn't really going to be like a, like a real test case because, you know, the bad teams got a long way off. They're going to be bad and rusty. The good teams, they didn't get a layoff. They're going to be good and less rusty, maybe a little more tired, but you know, so be it. You, you give LeBron like every sixth game off or something like that. Um, so it's going to be hard to see, to see exactly how that's going to play out. Uh, but it's going to make for some, uh, some really fascinating like mid and later stages of the season. Um, scenarios, even you know, God willing, no, no COVID issues arise or whatever things like that. Um, just how teams choose to manage their rotations and, and things like that, um, because there's there's going to have to be some sort of additional rest factored in as as teams go on. I think um, in this sort of condensed schedule, it's it's going to be so weird though, man. It's going to be so weird. Yeah, I was. I was thinking, like, they haven't even released the second half of the schedule yet, right? So we can't even, you know, project out past fifty games as to what the the second half of the season was going is going to look like. And you even saw, you know, last night in the in the Lakers game when the Lakers the Lakers and the Clippers were playing a pretty close game, and then you notice like LeBron and AD aren't playing in the last five minutes of, the, of a close game. And yeah, I, I wonder if we're going to see more stuff like that. Yeah, I I remember like there were three minutes left and the Clippers were up by like twelve or something like that. It's you know it's going to be a, a low percentage comeback for the Lakers at the best of times. And then I'm like scanning the floor and I'm like, there's KCP, there's AD, there's you know this guy and this guy. And then they cut to LeBron on the bench and it's like ah, yeah, it's 2020. <laughs> <laughs> right. Has the uh, as the pandemic changed your work process? You're uh, you know you're at a different um, you're at a different uh, outlet this year but you did normally like attend games from time to time when uh for the pistons uh how's the pandemic kind of affected you and how, how you've been able to accomplish things during uh during the season well it has 
I think actually been pretty favorable. Um, I'm not going to be doing games credentialed this season, most likely. Um, it, it is actually, a, <laughs> I don't want to say it's, it's a good break. Like I don't want to like ever seem too happy about like the way things that a pandemic have impacted my life. Um, but, <laughs> um, the, the fact that like, I, I still have like, you know, full zoom access for pistons and stuff. Um, and I, so, you know, the, the guys who are like at games having to like zoom in from their seats in the media section have no more or less access than I do zooming from, uh, my own home. Um, and like now that I'm also not just covering the Pistons, but I'm covering the whole league for, uh, for Hoops Habit. Um, I've also got like five other teams, I think that I've, I've got to like zoom hookups with. So, um, it, it's really kind of opened things up to me that in in a kind of incredible way. You know, like um, I have been tuning into more uh, more Rockets Zoom calls, for example, than Pistons Zoom calls lately, simply because like I, I want to know what's going on there. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, doing so doesn't really put me at a disadvantage because I can just like catch the the recorded Zoom call uh, later for the Pistons. Um, so the, the fact that, um, like distancing has made it so that basically everything media related is so decentralized now, um, has been, uh, a pretty favorable development personally, because like I've been able to like do all the work I need to do from home and in, I've, I can accomplish more essentially, um, in the same amount of time, simply because like, I don't have to be um, at a place at a time for, for games. And I can, I can do all the same work and more because I'm able to, to keep tabs on more teams and more, more events, um, than I would have been otherwise if I was at games. So it's been really weird. Um, and I don't think that I've quite optimized my experience yet, but, um, it's, it's been something that has been really, uh, I feel very fortunate that I've been able to sort of uh, benefit from the strangest times in our lifetimes. <laughs> yeah, I I never thought about the potential for a leveling effect, uh, like with regards to access, but that makes a ton of sense. Um, I guess it's because I didn't know that they had media guys zooming in from their spots in the arena. That seems horribly inefficient, but uh, far be it from me to tell teams how uh, they should run their uh, health and safety during a global pandemic. I know very little about health and safety, right. so <laughs> I, I don't feel comfortable dispensing advice. But right. uh, that's that's an interesting uh, effect. You, you notice that you can or you're, you're making time to learn more uh, in-depthly or go more in-depth about other teams in the league simply because you have the, you know, the access and the time to. That's something I wouldn't have considered, and that's that's interesting. I always, I always like asking people, like, how their lives are different during the pandemic because, obviously, everyone's life, like, is different. And I always get interesting answers. And, you know, it's changed everything in, in very small ways for people. Yeah, most definitely. It's it's such a like a quantum shift in the way everybody does things, and in some ways, it it's made uh, it's it's made getting you know getting work done a more efficient process. Um, you know, whether it be working from home when it 
it's something that um, that maybe you can you can do just as effectively at home and maybe even more so because um, I I've been fortunate enough to have been able to work from home for most of my my working life in various different uh, different pursuits that I've been a part of um, and it, it seems as though you know at least for what I do and and the way that I can do it best. Um, it seems as though like these changes, if they end up being, you know, permanent down the road, like whether, you know, obviously like in-person reporting is never going to be replaced as long as it's a possibility. Right. Um, yeah. But, you know, if, if there is like a remote angle that can be included for, for some of those things, um, I, I see that as a very favorable development. No, for sure. For sure. Uh, good to go back to the Pistons, but not really back to the Pistons to kind of indirectly get back to the Pistons. Um, I don't want to rehash the whole off season, but to tie in like one element uh, you wrote recently about Luke Kennard's new extension with the Clippers for hoops habit. Uh, did that extension kind of change or did it reinforce how you felt about the Kennard shade trade in the first place? Um, it, it changed it a bit and it, greatly reinforced all of my greatest fears. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it, it seemed that when the, when the deal went down, it seemed as though it was like, all right, the Pistons got a, a bad, a bad uh, prescription on uh, or a bad diagnosis on what Luke's knees going to look like down the road. So they decided that like, they've got to make a move now because his value can only go downhill from here. So they've cut, they've got to dump him on like whoever's the first team that calls. Um, so I was like, all right, if that's the case, then this deal makes sense. It doesn't make sense under any other situation. You know, if, if Luke is salvageable in any way, like if Luke can be an NBA player this season, this deal makes no sense. So, you know, RIP Luke, it's been great. <laughs> um, so that, that was kind of the, the situation that I was operating under until um, news of the, the extension came in, um, which I, I think it caught everybody off guard. I don't think anybody saw it coming. I don't think anybody was even uh, talking about the possibilities of an extension. Um, and so just the fact that the Pistons salary dumped a guy, uh, a 24 year old guy um, who was within weeks given a four year, $64 million extension tells me that the Pistons didn't know why the Clippers wanted Luke in the first place um, or didn't care and either are possible and neither are good. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, that, um, yeah. Like if, yeah. If they, if they didn't know why the Clippers were so eager to take him off their hands, that's, bad. Um, that's, that's not putting a whole lot of thought into the situation. If they didn't care why, then that's like dereliction of duty. <laughs> um, and I think it's gotta be one. <laughs> Or the other. Um, I, I don't really see any kind of workaround where it's it's not um, where it's not one of the two. If that makes sense. No, I mean I I I understand that. I I mean like I get it. I think and I think it definitely from from what they did with other moves this off season, it definitely to me points more to didn't care, which is not great but is in my mind at least better than uh 
didn't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because again, like indifference and dereliction of duty, I think are uh, not not great. But one is really really bad, and the other one is just not. It is also bad, but not as bad. Yeah. Um. That's that's kind of my take on it. And man, I I have been. I haven't been able to, to quite bring myself to like tallying up what um, the departure of uh, Luke, Christian, Bruce, and then like going all the way back to like Andre, Reggie Jackson, and and Marquise Morris, who may or may not have been um, you know gettable for for some sort of like distant late second round pick or not, you know who cares? But like I have not brought myself to like tallying up the total total games played, total games started in the last year or so for those guys and like what return they got. Um, I don't think I'm going to do that. That's, that's for other people now. That's not for me to do, uh, but it's, it's not going to be a good result when you look at like the total value gained from like the hundreds of games started just last year combined for those guys. Yeah. The, I think that's one thing we can quite, it's, it's very early in the Troy Weaver uh, era for Detroit. But one thing I can I think we can say with a lot of certainty is that uh, they are not looking for like excess value on transactions. They, no. <laughs> yeah, they that that's not something that is they that they are prioritizing, right? And yeah. that is classically what we have thought of as the way to. Uh, we've we've thought of like if you accrue enough small values like that will add up to large value and then that will like make the team uh, better you will uh, you know you will see results once you have accrued a lot of small values um i they seem to be they seem to be thinking that like we will accrue a lot of value just by getting the guys that we know are good and uh, make and seeing how they play and making them good and then once they're good they'll have value i don't know if that's gonna be a successful strategy but yeah. Uh, yeah especially especially when you gotta like mortgage things to get there you know like yeah. multiple stretches to get plumly um <laughs> it to to say nothing of like trades for players that they were intending to stretch but then realized after acquiring the player they didn't have to stretch them after all like um i don't want to call it completely haphazard but it it does seem as though rather than like this, this complex network of moves that like before whatever day free agency began, it's all jumble right now, but like free agency day minus one, whatever day that was, you know, (laughs) I, I don't think that Weaver and um, you know, his, his uh, chief strategist there, uh, David Mintzberg, I don't think that they had like this is a network of moves like uh, Charlie Day and, and uh, that always sunny gif, you know, they didn't have this like this highly detailed, like point by point by point, this is going to happen. And then we can do this and then we can do this. And then when all this is done, then we can pounce. No, I think they're like, all right, well, we got to get Mason Plumley. How do we do that? All right. We trade for Dwayne Deadman. We, you know, it, it's it's like they've got like three or four bullet points they've got to hit they've got to get these guys they've got to do whatever it takes to get them and like you know the process be damned now we've got mason Plumley. heck yeah yeah it's it's more a matter of like um planning by chaos i think more so than um than just having like a highly detailed 
really, really structured plan because there's no way they planned all this shit. And pardon me, I'm sorry, Blue Wire. Um, all this stuff in advance. <laughs> no, it very, it's very like results orientated planning, right? Like, yes, we, yeah, we need Mason Plumley. How do we make that happen? Yeah, um, and that's like, that's like. Right. And that's the thing you do when you're like, you know, you're the Lakers and you're, you're missing pieces, Anthony Davis, you know, it's like, that's when you, when you don't care about the price anymore and you just got to get that guy, like it's, it's the last guy that you get, you know, for, mm-hmm. to, to complete the puzzle. It's not the first puzzle, you know, you don't, you don't mash piece one and piece two together to, to start the puzzle. <laughs> and that's kind I gotta, of the way I see them like putting the pieces together for this team right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I gotta say I found I found the Smith wave and stretch like much more egregious than the Deadman wave and stretch, only because um like I, you could have cut Smith and just paid a salary for the year. There was no need to like stretch his waived salary. Like you could have eaten it. Um, but I, I did think that uh it was it's not it's uh it's hard to call like the stretch of Dwayne Deadman like ingenious, but um the the acquiring of a contract with like a low number on the second guaranteed year in order to stretch it and extend it kind of uh including that that guaranteed year uh to lower the amount of money like per year that uh that you have in the dead cap like i thought that i thought that was like a nice bit of uh like angle shooting that we we hadn't really seen um yeah, and, I, you know, taken advantage of by front offices i mean and again they use that space to sign mason plumley so you know who who knows but right, uh, I thought accomplish. that was I thought that was fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's funny. I I was looking at these stretches and I was like, all right, there's got to be some sort of pattern that makes a lot of sense, you know, like, um, like especially like trading Tony Bradley for for Zaire Smith and like stretching Zaire instead of tra- stretching Bradley was like it saves them like a hundred grand over the <laughs> over the course of like three years. But like as as I was looking, just like at the at the transaction list i'm like there's got to be like some sort of pattern that makes sense and then i thought i saw something what it was i couldn't even tell you now because like once i started like actually like i broke out the calculator app and i was like no this is this is garbage this is there's (laughs) there's no way this is the only way to do this there's no way that you had to put five more years of dead money on this cap (laughs) to make these things work It's, it's just there had to be some other way um but yeah i I realized when um, when uh, when I, I looked at that Bradley for for Zaire move that uh, Pop has a saying that uh, I, maybe it's not a saying if he just said it once, but um, he uh, I think he was asked some sort of nonsense question by a reporter and he called it superfluous, superfluous nonsense and that's exactly what that move was. It's it's just nonsense. It's <laughs> there's, there's no way to make that look genius. I man, I tried. I, I put on Twitter, I was like, I figured it out. Nobody, like, keep your your calculator apps closed. This is mine. Stay away. And then I got, like, halfway through and I was like, no, this is garbage. I'm... <laughs> and I think you can even see in my piece where I was like, well, I've written this much already. I have to finish it. And then at the end, I was like, this is, this isn't genius, guys. <laughs> I've come this far. I've come too far to stop. Yeah. I realized that my process in this piece was the exact same process that they used in free agency. I was like, well, I'm going to finish it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you know what? You got the piece out and you know what? They got Mason Plumley. That's yeah. just sometimes what, what needs to happen. We both got our wins. 
<laughs> Duncan, thank you so much for staying up late and uh, and podcasting with me. I really appreciate it. Uh, let the people know where they can find you and uh, the work that you're going to do, not just for the Pistons this season. Yeah, um, you can follow me on Twitter at Duncan Smith MBA. I have also lately been uh, doing uh, rooms on Locker Room, and I'm not going to get into what that is exactly. Just download the app and figure it out. I'm Duncan Smith MBA there as well. Um, and you can follow my work on uh, on the Pistons and the NBA at large at uh, hoopshabit.com, where I'm the site expert. And uh, today we had 15 pieces for 15 different teams um, come out. And uh, boy, I'm tired. I'm not even going to punch in tomorrow until like noon. <laughs> that is that is a lot of content. That's and- a lot of content. And, and I didn't write any of it either. I'm, I'm still spent. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and as soon as locker room comes to Android, I will join you, but uh, not a second before. <laughs> my my understanding is that it's coming. I don't know when, but I hope it comes soon because um, actually we've had some pretty uh, pretty good conversations lately. Keith Keith Black uh, at Charlotte. How do I'm not? I'm not even sure exactly how you would pronounce that uh, that name on on Twitter. Charlotte A N um, at Charlotte A N. Um, has been Charlatan. Uh, Charlatan. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's he's jumped on uh, my last couple of rooms, and we've had some pretty interesting com- uh, conversations. Uh, Ku Cahill has been on quite a bit. Uh, him and Sham basically used my whole hour a uh, couple of days <laughs> ago uh, to argue about. Uh, I don't even remember who it was. Sfi. They argued about Sfi for most of an hour, and I pretty much just muted my own mic and sat back and listened um, and got uh, got made fun of for being a, a bad moderator. But hey, it's my room, so <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> no, absolutely no. See, yeah. and th- all, all this is doing is making me matter and matter that it's not on Android. And I can't come out, in there and yeah. yell about me. Yeah, that no, sounds great. Yeah. I guess I will I will have to restrict my uh, lonely SV takes to Twitter where uh, you can follow me at last chance. That's at L-A-Z-C-H-A-N-C-E. Uh, you can also listen to my other podcast, the Detroit Bad Boys podcast, on whatever podcast platform you are listening to this podcast on. This has been Pistons versus Everybody, and we will talk to y'all next week. See you.